0: Welcome back to EPSN, and I'm your host, Emily Paulson, where we talk and debate all things sports for sports geeks like myself. On today's episode, I will recap Week 7 of the NFL, look at the most recent college football AP Top 25 rankings, and give my prediction on the World Series. Today's episode is going to be a little different as I am flying solo. Week 7 of the NFL had lots of highs and lows. NFL teams this past weekend won by an average of over 20 points, which ranks in the top five in NFL history. Starting off with a high, the Cincinnati Bengals. To give a little history for you, the Cincinnati Bengals haven't had a winning season since 2015, when they went 12-4 and lost in the wild card. In recent years, the Bengals haven't been good, but... This year changes things. It's not like they haven't been good. They had four consecutive winning seasons in 2012 through 2015, where they made the playoffs each season, but ended up losing the wild card each year. The last time the Bengals went to the Super Bowl was 1988, when they lost to the San Francisco 49ers 20-16. to This weekend, they went to Baltimore and and beat the Ravens 41-17, putting them atop the AFC North. It was a dominant road win for the Bengals. Beating Lamar Jackson at his home field is always a high for any team during the season. Lamar Jackson had never lost to the Bengals in his career and was up 5-0 so far. Cincinnati has a good offense with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase hooking back up again, just like they did at LSU. It makes their offense pretty dominant. The Bengals' offense has been averaging more than 30 points per game over the past four weeks. And wide receiver Jamar Chase, the front runner for Offensive Rookie of the Year. The only question that remained for the Bengals heading into this year was their defense. This season, their defense has come to play. After this, this last week against the Ravens, the Bengals' defense held Lamar Jackson to one touchdown and 257 passing yards. Lamar Jackson is an explosive player, and giving up only one touchdown to him and having their team score 17 points total is a huge win. Now time to go to some of the lows after week seven of the NFL. Is it time to hit the panic button in KC? Over the past years, it's been hard to doubt KC since they have been so good. With Patrick Mahone's under center, it's hard to bet against them in any game. The Chiefs haven't had a losing season since twenty fourteen when they went seven and nine in Andy Reid's second season as head coach. Since Mahomes was selected 10th overall in the 2017 draft, the Chiefs haven't lost more than four games in a season and have been to back-to-back Super Bowls. They already have four losses this season. The Chiefs are now under five hundred, at 3-4. and four. Patrick Mahomes has thrown eight interceptions so far in 2021, which is more than he threw in either of the last two seasons, and we're only... Seven weeks into the season, and with an added game this year, that interception rate is probably going to go way up. The Tennessee Titans this past weekend jumped out to a twenty-seven nothing lead at halftime against the Chiefs, and only allowed three points on the day. Give me—I just want to give a shout out to the Tennessee Titans because they played so well against Kansas City. I know it was a home game for them, and they had the home crowd, but Tannehill was locked in and focused. You could see it. Derrick Henry, even though he didn't have the biggest game, he helped the offense in the ways that he needed to. And their defense put up a good game against an explosive offense like the Chiefs. And the Chiefs have been struggling, wavering this season so far. But to beat them... Any day, any game is a big accomplishment and a good win for a team like Tennessee. Over the last couple weeks, it has become well-known that the Chiefs need to add more depth. After Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, there are very limited options that Mahomes throws to. And with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out, they're relying on their backup running back Darrell Williams a lot. The Chiefs don't just have problems on the offensive side, though. They more so have them on the defensive side. The Chiefs' defense needs to step up, especially in the secondary. They couldn't stop the Titans' wide receivers at all. They gave up eight receptions and 133 yards to A.J. Brown alone. And with Patrick Mahomes being questionable for this next weekend, the Chiefs and Andy Reid need to figure out a new game plan. And I'm not saying they need to change everything. They just need to step up on both sides of the ball. And it's little adjustments here and there. They can't just get away and get by with a trick play here and there and relying on Patrick Mahomes' ability to run out of the pocket. They need to step up everywhere, and it's just getting a little bit better because everyone else is catching up to them. And the Chiefs four more weeks of play before they get a bye and it's a tough road ahead. They play three games in that span at home and only one on the road which is the Raiders in week 10. They should get a win this coming week on Monday Night Football against the New York Giants but then after that they play Green Bay at home on the road against the Raiders and to close out against the Cowboys before a bye week. Chiefs have a tough stretch, and in my opinion, they'd be lucky to go 3-1. and one. I think they'll probably go 2-2 two and two with a win against Giants and Cowboys. If you're a Seahawks fan right now, I'd be worried for your team's playoff hopes. Russell Wilson can't come back soon enough for you guys. I know that's hard for you guys to hear, but it's the truth. I want to give a quick shout out to Jeff Johnson, as he is the biggest Seahawks fan I know and has been for a long time. And the Seahawks have been really good for the past 10 years under Pete Carroll. I mean, the Seahawks haven't had a losing season since 2011 when they went seven at nine. That was Carroll's second season as head coach. Is this the start of the downhill slope for Seattle? I mean, Russell Wilson was selected in the third round of the 2012 NFL draft by the Seahawks. Russell is 32 now, and his contract goes through the 2023 season. I'm not saying that they need to get rid of him, but you might want to start playing to the future. Without Russell Wilson, the Seahawks have gone 0 2 this season. They had a Bad loss on Monday Night Football against the New Orleans Saints at home, losing 13-10. to The offense only had a total of 219 yards, and their running backs combined to average less than 3 yards per carry. Pete Carroll and offensive coordinator Shane Waldron had a lot to do with the ugly loss. The Seahawks rushed the ball 28 times against the Saints, whose run defense ranks second in the NFL. Don't get me wrong, it was a nasty rainy night in Seattle, but Geno Smith is a veteran quarterback. And going into the game, you should have a game plan as what to do against a highly ranked run defense. The running game for the Seahawks just isn't the same as it used to be in Carroll's early days as head coach. Alex Collins is not back that is going to grind the whole game for you and be reliable. They need to go pick up someone who is going to do that for them if they want to have a cohesive running game and run the ball a lot. Wilson is going to be out at least one more game while he heals from his finger surgery. And the Seahawks need to get a win without him in that time frame. The Seahawks play against a struggling Jaguars team this coming weekend at home, so they should get a win without Russell before their bye week comes. Then after that, if they want a chance to make the playoffs, they have to step up and go on a winning streak. Now let's look at the college football AP Top 25 rankings. The Georgia Bulldogs are number one again, and at this point, Can they be stopped? Georgia has always been in the hunt with a long history of a good defense. And when you think of college football blue bloods, you think of Georgia, USC, Miami, all those teams with a long history of being good. The Bulldogs' defense is elite this season and has been for the past couple seasons. They have not given up more than 13 points in a game so far this season. And their offense is no different. They haven't been held below 30 points since their opener against Clemson. Georgia is in first place in the SEC East right now, and I don't see anyone beating them until the SEC championship game. They are gearing up to play a road game against a struggling Florida Gators team. If Florida could pull out a win, it would be the biggest upset, of the year, in my opinion. Florida is a two-touchdown underdog, so we'll see what happens. Switching from the SEC, I want to look at the Big Ten. After this week's rankings, the Big Ten has four teams in the top ten, which really surprises me. The highest-ranked Big Ten team is Ohio State at number five. The Buckeyes are yet to have a signature win. Even though... They have scored 50 or more points in four consecutive games. They haven't played a ranked team since their home loss to Oregon. All 3 Big 10 teams they have played so far are under 500 in conference play, and 2 of them being under 500 overall. They played Maryland, Indiana, and Rutgers. This coming weekend, Ohio State has biggest test since that Oregon game, playing Penn State at home. And it will prove a lot as to whether the Buckeyes deserve to be in the college football playoff conversation. The Buckeyes can't afford a loss this next weekend against a five and two Penn State team. If they lose, in my opinion, they're out of playoff contention. Another big game for the Big Ten this weekend is number six Michigan playing number eight Michigan State. I love that both these teams are undefeated right now because it brings the rivalry to a national stage. College Game Day is going to be there this weekend, and it will be a signature win for either team. Heading west, I want to talk about the Pac-12. Are they the most hated conference in the country? I know they are by the media, but I don't know about fan popularity. The conference did get some light shined onto them with College Game Day being in L.A. for the Oregon-UCLA game. You want to give a quick shout-out to Club Juvie as some members went this past weekend and brought home the win for the Ducks. Even though the Ducks are ranked, they were an underdog heading into the game. They ended up pulling out the win 34-31 in dramatic fashion with a interception to end the game. After this weekend... Oregon is the Pac-12's best hope to get into the playoff. Oregon only has one loss on the year so far, and it was on the road against Stanford with some crazy conditions. Not in the weather, but that offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead had an emergency surgery and couldn't be at the game. Also in that game... Running back C.J. Burdell had a season-ending injury, and Bennett Williams, on the defensive side, broke his leg the day before the game going through walkthroughs. Not having Joe Moorhead calling plays really affected the Ducks. When having Moorhead, the Ducks haven't lost yet. And the Ducks already have a signature win against Ohio State at the horseshoe which makes their playoff hopes that much greater, in my opinion. I'm not trying to make excuses for Oregon and why they have one loss, but when other teams, like Alabama, who lost to an unranked Texas A&M team, they don't move down seven spots in their rankings. And any time Oregon wins a close game, it's always talked about in the media saying how bad they are and, oh, they're barely winning. What about Oklahoma? And this past weekend, Oklahoma barely won against a one in six Kansas team who's one of the worst teams in the entire country. And people finally started talking about Oklahoma and how they're barely winning, but why does it take until game seven to come to that conclusion? In the Pac 12 conference, beats up on each other every year like the Big Ten and Big 12. The Pac-12 is underrated going into every season, but is always competitive. The problem for the conference, though, is that they don't win those out-of-conference games at the start of the year, especially the ones that we're supposed to. BYU has beat Washington State and Arizona State this year. It doesn't look as good when you're beating up on each other in conference play if you can't even beat the teams that you're supposed to going into the season. But the thing about the Pac-12 is that all their teams grow during the year. I feel like each team gets better as the season goes on, like you're supposed to. It's not like in the SEC, where some teams are ranked going into the season so highly just because they're a part of the SEC— and then they go downhill so fast. A prime example is Arkansas. Another thing about the Pac-12 is that they have the worst referees in the country. They don't let them play physical like every other conference in the nation, and I think it really affects the Pac-12's chances when it comes to a neutral game against a different conference. I don't know if everyone knows this, but the referees... They aren't full-time jobs, and I think they should be. With everyone getting paid in the sport of football and how nationally televised games are, they should be full-time jobs, and they should be better at what they do. And I'm not saying the referee is an easy job, because it's not. But the Pac-12 referees need to step up. Uh, games in the Pac-12 take three to four hours long because of how many penalties are called. You go maybe five plays in a row without a penalty. I think letting Pac-12 teams play a little bit more physical would help the conference do better on a national stage and make the games go by faster and more interesting. Switching gears, let's talk about the MLB. The World Series just started last night and postseason play is almost over now. The two teams in the World Series are the Houston Astros, AL champs, and the Atlanta Braves, NL champs. Heading into the World Series, the Astros were the favorites to win it all, but things have changed now since Atlanta Braves took a 6-2 win last night on the road in Game 1. The Braves jumped ahead early with a two-run first inning, with a Solaire hitting a solo home run to get the night started. But the Braves had a huge negative come out of this game. Stud starting pitcher Charlie Morton took a line drive off his shin, which resulted in a fractured fibula, putting him out the rest of the World Series. Atlanta does have a good pole pen to rely on, though, which helped them against the Astros last night. They allowed just two runs over the final 6.2 innings of the game. Heading into Game 2 tonight, the Astros need to have more production from their right-handed batters if they want to get a win. The Braves need to have another good outing by their bullpen and good base running to go up 2-0 in the series. If the Braves go up 2-0 in the series, my bet is that they will sweep the Astros. In the World Series, road teams who have won the first two games have gone on to win the World Series 11 out of 14 times. So if the Braves get a win tonight, they look in pretty good shape. As we do on every episode, to wrap up, we have a mystery of the week. Even though my pops isn't here with me this week, he sent in a mystery question. Will the Detroit Lions get a win this season? I'm going to keep talking about the Detroit Lions until they get a win. Following Week 7's 19-28 road loss to the LA Rams, it makes the Lions 0-7 on the season. It's not like the Lions have been blown out in any game this year. They've been in every single game they've played. They just lose in agonizing fashion every week. I have to give a quick shout out to Lions fans, especially Sean Toto, who stick by their side week in and week out. I think they're the most respected fans in all of sports because they have some of the worst luck I've ever seen. And this year is no different. Two of their losses have come on late heroics by opposing teams. Those games include the Baltimore Ravens and Minnesota Vikings. Both games were lost on time-inspiring field goals, and one being Justin Tucker, the Ravens' kicker, setting a new NFL record long at 66 yards. The Lions play at home this coming weekend, and I have a good feeling that they might actually get a win. They're playing against a struggling Philadelphia Eagles team that has issues of its own at quarterback with Jalen Hurts. The Lions are three-and-a-half-point underdog, And if I were you, I wouldn't put my money against them. So, Toto, I have a good feeling that your Detroit Lions are going to get their very first win this weekend. That'll do it for this episode of EPSN. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to follow and subscribe for more episodes to come. I'm Emily Paulson, and I'll talk to you next time, sports geeks.